good the last few weeks, so I try to enunciate a little bit better, and, and sometimes it didn't quite work out the way I wanted to. Matthew chapter number 6 and uh, verse number 25. Everybody say 25. All right. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Let's let that sink in for a second. It is not the life, is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Everybody say amen. amen. We are spoiled, rotten people, folks. We're spoiled. I mean, we all look nice in here. We all have clothes. We all have things. Um, and we're, just, we're just spoiled people. Verse number 26, behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which, is, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Verse number 31. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Don't you know God knows what you need? Everybody say need. He knows what you want, but he knows also what you need. There's a difference between wants and needs, right? But we somehow, in our prayer time, we pray for wants, not needs. Therefore, we pray amiss and we get disappointed at God because but God is not answering our wants, but yet we want things that we want, not what we need. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Verse number 34. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Everybody say amen. amen. I like saying amen because it means let it be so. Let it be established when we read the word of God. I want to preach to you today for a little bit. I got notes just a little bit everywhere. Bear with me here for a second. Um, uh, on this thought, the race for your attention. Amen. Verse number 24 of Matthew 6. We did not read this because I wanted to back up and read this here today. Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 24. No man can serve two masters. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. There is a spirit between, and there is a spirit in both God and mammon. Mammon is, is a type of the world. Mammon is actually a type going all the way, dates back to Babylon, that word, and talks about the pride of having money. Mammon, meaning money, 
you can't serve God and the things of this world. And particularly the spiritual context or the context of this scripture talking about money. But really what it's saying is in the, in the, in the full understanding is basically you can't serve God and the world. No one can serve two masters. If you try to serve two masters, then you will fail at serving both of them. You will fail miserably in, in serving both of them. And I want to preach to you today with the thought that is saying that there is a race for your attention. There is a race going on in this world that's trying to grab every single ounce of your time and your attention. Everybody say attention. What the world is trying to do is grab every single moment, every single uh, 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 thought that you have. They want to control your thoughts. I'm going to prove it to you. They're going to try to uh, uh, control your thoughts. They want to predict what you're going to do in the next few moments of your life. Have you ever been on social media or you're walking down the road and then your phone pops up and says, hey, there's a Starbucks 3.3 miles away. Am I the only one that has that app? <laughs> there has been a time that uh, my wife and I was sitting at a restaurant with some friends and my Facebook app tells me, hey, the Zapata family is really close. So what I did, I looked up across the table and there was a Zapata sitting right across the table from us. Our, our, our Facebook and all these things, why do they do that? Because they want to control where your attention is. Snapchat, all those things. I'm not preaching against this stuff. I'm just telling you what this world's trying to do. Snapchat has the ability and they have the, the want to and they are doing the fact that, how many of you ever, do you use Snapchat? Anybody use Snapchat in here? Snapchat is something, so you'll understand this. How many know what streaks are when you come to Snapchat? A streak in Snapchat is basically a constant communication that if you, con uh, if you uh, communicate with that person daily, then you have a streak. You streak how many times uh, in a row that you talk to that person. My daughter with her little school friends, they're on, they're on Snapchat. That's how they communicate. And I monitor that stuff. Y'all don't worry about that. I monitor it. <laughs> everything that she downloads, everything she does, I get that information. And I open up my phone and say, hey, what about this today? You know, teaching lessons, right? And um, every time she downloads an app, daddy has to approve it. All that stuff, right? It's, it's important to do. If you don't know what your children are doing on social media, you need to find out what they're doing if you allow them to be on there. Okay? Um, there's another reason why my wife and I share a social media account. She knows what I'm doing, and I know what she's doing. And sometimes you don't know who's talking. That's the best thing about it. <laughs> If it's really smart, it's my wife. It's me. If it's goofy and st stupid, funny, it's probably coming from me. <laughs> yeah, she's funny too. And I'm kind of smart. Thank you for defending that, but not defending that I'm the smart gang too. <laughs> but on Snapchat, there is these things called streaks. And what I find on, on, on the car ride to school in the morning, my daughter's just done eating her breakfast, and she gets her phone out, and she starts taking a picture of the moon. The stars, me sometimes. And then she starts sending good morning to all of her friends. Hey, I'm, you know, you know, different things. And she has these streaks she does. And the longer you have that communication between them, there's some, you know, the 120, 150, sometimes a full year of daily uh, communication with their friends on Snapchat. Why did Snapchat invent streaks? To keep your attention. They rule your day by a segment of Getting you enticed with something 
to get your attention. Did you know that in the major, uh, uh, major uh, technology uh, communities like Google, uh, Facebook, um, Netflix, all these different things, there is a room of about four or five people in these rooms, and you actually can go to Stanford and get this degree. You can get in these rooms, and uh, you, you can sit in these rooms, and all they do that all they do is try to gather information on how better to get your attention. There's a reason why your notification symbol pops up red on your phone. Red is an alarming color. I need to check that. What they do is a notification is to tell you that there is something that you need to look at. So they are pulling your attention away from what you're doing to pull it off into something else. How many have noticed on social media that your videos that you used to scroll down and have to push to try to activate the video, now all of a sudden autoplay? It's because they're trying to get your attention. They try to draw you in. There's a reason why when you go and, and, and they call this thing now, um, when you watch uh, multiple videos, you, you, you just sit there and watch and watch and watch. Binge watching, I guess you can say, is what they call it now. Why, do they, why is that even a term? It's because they want to keep your attention. And they want to get your attention and keep it. Now, I've been, I've been uh, to the place where if you open up YouTube, you're trying to find a video, you're trying to learn something. I did last night. We're having some problems with our, our, our monitors and stuff, and I was on YouTube trying to let somebody show me how to do it <laughs> and how, how to function something. And what happened was is when that video was over, there was another video that just came right behind it that auto-played. Because YouTube's goal is to maximize your attention. You may not know that, but they want to get the two minutes that you give them, and they want to maximize and see if you can get you to four minutes, get you to six minutes. There's a room of people trying to figure out how to get your attention. And once they get your attention, they want to keep your attention. And some of us, and if you don't watch your children enough, that if they're on YouTube, what happened? They will spend hours on YouTube. Because children may not understand what the whole thing, the premise of it is. It's getting your attention, but not just getting your attention. They want to keep your attention. There is a, a room, and there are degrees out there that show you. I forgot the name of these rooms, but these major companies, because they are trying to, under, because they understand this, that you only have so much time. Google said this, that their major, um, their major, um, uh, the people that, are, uh, that they're biding their time with, their major uh, competitor, Google's major competitor are three things, Facebook, Netflix, and sleep. That's their three competitors. They state that. That's their three competitors. Because if they can keep you and keep your attention for a longer period of time, then they have maximized the potential of making money. So they say that in these rooms, that those people in these rooms, in these think tanks, if you will, of these four companies, they are manipulating and, and, and demanding the time and your attention of one billion people a day. They control your thoughts every day. They can control, they predict what you're going to do. I don't know about you, but I, I was sitting, uh, Teresa and I were talking about uh, a, a restaurant, I forgot what it was, and, and, and I may have... Uh, I, I, I don't remember putting anything in there, Google or anything like that, looking up a restaurant. But it was not probably that 30 minutes or 45 minutes later, I was on Facebook scrolling and there was a coupon for that restaurant on social media. I've walked down the road and it says, hey, such and such stores over here. And I look, where, why do they do that? Because they want to get your attention. 
It's incredible, the technology. You may want to deny that, but I got proof that there is stuff that happened. Uh, uh, Dr. Tristan Harris, he talked about it because he was actually in one of those rooms. And he came out of that room trying to be an alarmist to the community and say, hey, guys, there is a, there is a, a attraction to get your time. And he talked about how we need to stand up and to get our time back. There is a race for your attention. The devil, the devil knows this, and he's known that before social media was ever out there. He knows before YouTube was ever out there, he is trying to get your attention away from one thing, and that is God. And he'll use whatever tool is necessary to get you away from your heart and your mind on God. Because he simply says, if I can get them just to serve two masters, I'll be all right. I'll let them go to church. That's fine. But when they go to church, I got them afterwards so they can't serve two masters. The devil's job is to not just to draw you, but he is there to keep you away from God. We are drawn and we are enticed by the things of this world through the word of temptation. But when temptation is fulfilled, we fall into sin. And ladies and gentlemen, we got to be mindful of the temptations that come up in our life. And are we drawn in, but yet are we overtaken with our time and our treasure and our families, if you will? 1 Corinthians 9.24, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all. But one receiveth the price, so run that ye may obtain. I'm not here to serve two masters. If I'm going to run this race, I want to run it correctly. I said, if I'm going to run this race, I want to run it right. If I want to run this race, I want to run this for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I need to have him as the center point of my life and nothing else. 1 Corinthians 9.24, which I read, Know ye not that you which run in a race run all. If you know you're in a race... You better run it with everything that you got. If you're going to run a race to finish it, I want to finish this thing. If you want to run it, run it with everything that you got. Galatians chapter number 5, verse number 7. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? In other words, you were running good for a while. You were running well, but who hindered you from obeying the truth? I'm here to tell you today, we can't blame anybody else but ourselves for not being obey obedient to the truth of the Word of God. We can try to deny like Adam and Eve did. The Lord looked at Adam and said, the woman, and the woman said, it wasn't me, it was the devil. You can blame the devil all day long, but God has given you a choice to do what is right and what is wrong. So I'm here to tell you today, if you have a choice today and you want to run your race well, choose Jesus Christ. I said, choose Jesus Christ. Whom shall we serve today? I choose the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. Philippians 2.16, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory, because I did not run in vain, nor toil in vain. There's a lot of people, a lot of good Christians that toil and run this race in vain. They run this race because it's, the, it's maybe the cool thing to do, or maybe it's because everybody else is doing it, but I, I don't want to do it because somebody else does it. I don't want to run this race to the Lord because my mom and dad did it. I don't want to do it because pastor said so. I want to do it because the word of God speaks to my art Philippians 2 16 holding fast the word of life so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory everybody say reason 
I want a reason to glory because I did not run in vain. Or toil or not. Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also have compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every distraction, if you will, and every sin that doth so easily beset us, and let us run. Everybody say run with patience the race that is set before us. Well, how do we do that? Verse number 2 answers that looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. How do you run this? race. I run it with the hand of Jesus. I run it with his word hidden in my heart. I run it with his thoughts being my thoughts. I run it with my words being his words. I run it by going to an altar and say, God, I may have messed up today. I'm sorry, but tomorrow I'm going to rise up and be more than a conqueror through you that love me, that I can accomplish your purpose. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, uh, who for the glory or for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I find it interesting that when we run this race uh, and I look to Jesus, everything points back to the cross and what he did for me. Everything points back to him dying for me. Everything points back, but the Bible says right there, for who, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Ladies and gentlemen, he did that, yes, with sorrow, but he also did it with joy. <laughs> the Lord not just didn't die on the cross and surrender and die just with the pain. And yeah, we talk about the crown of thorns. We talk about the spear that goes into his side. We talk about how he was nailed upon that cross and what a gruesome, ugly death. But in the midst of that pain, in the midst of that sorrow, was an overwhelming sense of joy and love for humanity. He dies for you and I. He dies for you and I because there is a race for your life. There is a race today for your moment today. There is a race in this moment here today. When we can spend a time in a prayer after this message is over, there is going to be a race for your thoughts. There's going to be a race for your decisions. There's going to be a race for what the devil will try to distract you. There will be a race with your carnality touching spirituality. There's going to be a race for what your flesh wants to do and what your spirit wants to do. There's going to be a race. There's going to come to a moment in time where it's going to be decision time. And if I can be so plain to say, there were some of you that will walk out of here rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I can come up here and preach to you. I'm blue in the face. And if nobody responds to the word of God, that's okay because I have done what the word of God teaches us to do. And that is proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. But ultimately, it is a race for the decisions that you have going through your mind right now. Dr. Joseph Troncall, 1954, the limbic cortex was described by this neuroanatomist. Since that time, the limbic system of the brain has been implicated as a seat of emotion. It is the seat of addiction. It is the seat of mood and lots of other mental and emotional processes. It is the base of the brain, the stem of the brain, the base part of the brain. It is the part of the brain that is the very ally to the primitive part of life. It is a place that people call, and many call it, the lizard brain. Everybody say lizard brain. And I thought that very interesting, that they call it the lizard brain. Everybody say lizard brain. 
Who would have thought that the pastor would bring up the word lizard in his message? But I did today. The lizard brain. Now you can Google this if you like. Perhaps you'll find this article by Dr. Joseph Troncall. The lizard brain because the limbic system is about all the lizard has for a brain function. The lizard only has a limbic brain functioning. It is this limbic brain for the lizard is the in charge of the fight, flight, feeding, fear, freezing up, and fornication. I thought that was interesting. So the lizard brain is a place in a state that it is a seat of emotion. And depending on what that lizard comes up against, he, he responds to it out of a place of emotion. He responds to these things with, with the charge of fight. It's an emotion of uh, uh, he's going to fight off his enemy. And then if he feels like his enemy is too great, the emotion will cause him to flee the scene. If, if he's hungry, the emotion that he feels will get him to eat something. If the emotion is fear, then, then he'll respond in fear. And then there are others, if you've ever seen a, a lizard freeze up, it's kind of hilarious. Just freeze up and maybe fall over like a possum and just kind of freeze up. And in a moment in time, they'll finally come out of it. You shake them out of it. It's because the emotion was too great for them, so they kind of freeze up. But then the emotion is too great at times So there is a place of fornication that is in them that causes them to be able to multiply. It's interesting that fornication is in there. The limbic system is much more powerful than we we humans give credit to. This article goes on to say, while seeing a patient this morning, he says, there was a wonderment on 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 the patient's part about how she relapsed. She had been doing everything right but she had some time on her hands and mysteriously found herself in the liquor store and subsequently drinking. She said, I do not for a second, he said, I do not for a second think that she was trying to be deceptive about her amnestic trip into the store to buy liquor. After she drank, she called for help and got back into the treatment. But she was still mystified at her behavior. She didn't understand what happened to her in that moment. She don't know what happened, what took over her to get her to that place that she vowed never to do again. What he goes on to say is what we know from a lot of research of the brain is that this type of unexplainable behavior happens all the time and not just to addicts. It is just that addicts have more consequences for their actions in situations such as this. He says, if one were to pull individuals about unexplainable behaviors, there would be a lot of stories that people would be honest. How many times have we done something that we said we would not do? Eaten something that we said we would not eat? And said something that we said we would not say? We all know it is a very extensive list, and it happens every single day. You say, that will never be me. I'll never eat that. I'll never try that. I'll never go to that place. I'll never do this. But you got to be careful what you say you'll never do. Because when the things gets down into your seat of your emotions, your emotions are fleeting. And your emotions will overtake you and put you in a place that you should not be. So you reason yourself through the seat of emotion, through the lizard brain, if you will. 
And that when you sit there in the lizard brain, your other brain begins to shut off because all you're doing is sitting in the seat of emotion. The doctor goes on to say, the point to all this is that 12-step recovery recognized before the limbic system was described, that we all have this tendency to do what we don't want to do, and we are powerless about certain behaviors. It says, understanding this automatic behavior allows us to surrender to what we cannot control. It frees us to do the next right thing by staying in the present rather than worrying about the future or being shamed and experience guilt about the past. Take, therefore, I say, and take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor your, no, for your body what you shall put on. It is not more than life than, than meat and body than raiment. What are we talking about here? If God knows what you need, there is no reason to understand and get to the place of the seat of your emotions and allow them to run wild over your life. He goes on to say, I always tell patients who are in recovery that if they feel like they are emotionally in the groove, that is likely they are in trouble. See, the groove is a comfortable place in your limbic brain that gets you into trouble. It is okay to experience the emptiness of life and the pain of the moment and the discomfort of relationships, but don't stay there. I said, don't stay there. Because if you stay there in that seat of emotion, and then you'll begin to do things you thought you never would do. You'll start rekindling things that you never thought you would rekindle in your life. Woe is the person that says, God, you know, I, I, I need these things. And if you would only provide this and everything would be okay. Don't pray your prayers off of emotion. Don't pray your prayers based off your desires and your wants. But the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Lord, you know what I need. Let me not be distracted by the emotions of what I am going through the devil's job to get you into the point of your lizard brain to tempt you and to keep you there. The devil understands this place. He understands that if he can get us to a dark place emotionally or a high place emotionally, that we will misjudge the word of God. And then we will, if we stay there, now God made it, and we, we have those feelings, and those things are great. But when we, if we stay there in that moment, then we'll understand that, then we'll get addicted to sensationalism. We'll get addicted to the shock and all of this world. We'll get addicted to the next new thing. We'll get addicted to the emotionalism of all these things. And then we'll get addicted to outrage. We'll get addicted to fear. We'll get addicted to the raw emotions. There's a reason why people go from one YouTube video to the next. Why? Because it opens up that lizard brain and they want you to stay there because they want you to be shocked and in awe of what's going to happen. You know what? Here's the problem that I have and I felt this in the Holy Ghost last night and then this morning. I begin to think that this world wants to create so much shock, so much awe, so much pleasure that it takes, that they, when, when you begin to look at all the pleasures of this world, this doesn't look desirable at all. When we take in so much things of this world, we think, why would I open up a book and read words on a page? 
when I can go on into this world and take in all these emotions and have this roller coaster ride of an event in my spirit and in my life. And I gotta re- I gotta work at reading something to hopefully glean something, to hopefully feel better about myself. I can feel better about myself if I allow my lizard brain to stay in the seat of emotion. That's why the Bible says I gotta have a renewing of my mind. Why is my mind, if I have a renewing of my mind, my frontal cortex, what I see that's in the back part of my brain, what I see, if I can have the renewing of the mind, then the mind will not fall prey to the seeding of emotion, but I can fall unto the auspice of the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a race for your attention. There is a race that this world wants to get you down to your lizard brain and get you there so you will stay there. Now, there's not one person in this room that has not fall prey to something that attracts our attention. And we think, wow, this thing has had one million views. It must be worth seeing. There's a reason why we walked through the mall last night, and I made a a, a terrible error last night. I hadn't been in Spencer's Gifts in years. And I thought... I don't, know what, I don't know what it is anymore. I haven't been in there in years. I walked in there in about five steps. I walked right back out. I was bored. She was in Lane Bryan or something. I had to go. So I walked in, and I'm like, what? Where was it? I don't know. New York Company. I don't know. I don't know what store she goes into. So I'm, I'm, I'm bored. I'm trying to avoid the guy with the clipboard, right? You know, the, guy, the loneliest job in the mall. The guy has no friends. The guy with the clipboard. Trying to get a survey out of people. I embarrassed my wife. So I walk in there. I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. Because, thank you, I did. And when I walked in there, I'm thinking, and immediately this message, I said, this is trying to get to your lizard brain. This is trying to put you on a ride emotionally. I said, no, I'm out of here. This is not the place. And that's, that's what this world, you watch people, I was at the mall last night, you watch people, what they wear, they're trying to entice you with your lizard brain. Can I just say it? There are women in this world that will wear to get a man to his lizard brain. There are men that will post stuff and do stuff to try to get a woman to look at them in a fashion to get that man or that woman to understand that seat of emotion, that raw emotion. There are videos, there are movies, they try to entice you. There's a reason why some of the top uh, uh, movies and episodes and, and the different things out there are so far out there. Like, why would anybody even watch this? You know why reality TV is so great right now? Because everybody wants to see what they cannot predict. It's that next new thing. What's going to happen? What's going to happen next? There, there, there's a TV show out there. I debated with my brother-in-law one time, and I may have shared this. He says, there's a new show out, Pastor. He said, I'm wondering what you think about it. I said, what is it? He said, it's called Lucifer. I said, what in the world is Lucifer? He says, about, a, a, about Lucifer who comes to the earth, and the, the longer he stays here, the gooder he gets. I'm like, that is ridiculous. Why would anybody watch this? Why would it? Because it entertains our lizard brain. It brings us to a place that we've not been before. So it takes people somewhere. And what happens is it changes their belief system. 
You think the devil doesn't know what's going on in this world? Let me tell you, the devil's trying to get into a place in your mind and to keep you from the word of God and the things of God. That's what he's trying to do. We got to be careful how we deal with the seat of emotion, the seat of addiction, the seat of the new best thing. There is things that will get emotional for you. And if you've ever been in a car buying experience, you go in with the object that you're going to buy this much and this is how much you want to pay and all this stuff. But you leave with something more than what you can afford, more than what you want, because the salesman has sold you a bill of goods. Why did he do it? He got into your lizard brains, what he did. He got into your emotion. He got you emotionally involved in the sale. And when you get emotionally involved, you'll say yes to anything. But you got to say, no, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on, Doc. I, I can't do No. I've walked out before because I felt my emotions. When I walked by the Apple store, my emotions. You walk through Best Buy. You walk through Lowe's. Lord Jesus, we love Lowe's. The emotional aspect, what I could do with this, what I could do with it. I may use it one time a year, but man, it would be cool. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You want that next new thing. What is this world trying to do? Advertisements, television, all these things. They're trying to get into the seat of emotion in your life. And the devil's trying to do the same thing. He's trying to get into the seat of your emotion. And if he can get into the seat of your emotion and get you to contradict what you know is right, then he has been successful. He has got you serving two masters. I said he's got you serving two masters. But I'm here to tell you today, I'm in a group of a bunch of people that says, I don't want to serve two masters. I want to do what my mind says is the right. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit in me. Let me not fall prey to the temptation of the emotional state of this world. The devil will use raw emotion to get you to. He'll get you to get emotional. About church, he'll get you emotional about the things that happen in the church. He'll try to use that lizard emotion when you don't, lizard brain, when, when the pastor doesn't do something you feel like is right, you want to do, and you don't understand it all. So, so we get emotional in our, in our state that, that we, we, we surrender our, our emotions and we don't want to talk about, we stay away. But ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you today, we cannot fall prey to the emotional outcry of the lizard brain and say, Lord, what does your word say today? Lord, what does your word say to renew my mind? So I, God, forgive me. Let me renew my mind. Let me renew my spirit. What is that? That is a repentant spirit. There's a reason why Paul said, I die daily. He's got to do what I know to do, and I want to do it with all my might. If I'm going to run this race, I need to repent. If I'm going to run this race, I want to see myself right before the Lord. If I'm going to run this race, I want to find my spirit with the hand of God. There is a race for your attention. The devil was no dummy. He wants to sensationalize the world so much that outshines the power of the word of God. And I think he has done a very successful job. Going to church is not in anymore. Going to church on Sunday is not the new thing. It's not, it's not new. It's the old thing. Only the, these people go to church. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do this. And there is, there is an overwhelming sense that church is, is, is something that you can opt to do or you can opt not to do. And what that translates is in your relationship with God, you can opt to do it or opt not to do it. 
everything that is related to the house of God and serving the kingdom of God and doing the will of God. The Bible, or the, the devil has tried to get you to say, well, it's an option. Well, it's this. Well, it's that. No, if the word of God declares it, then I want to receive it with a readiness of heart and a readiness of spirit. The devil's no dummy. The devil will draw you in so that you stay there. Everybody say, stay there. Here's the problem. You get people that come to know God and then they backslide. It's because they've allowed those root of emotions, those root of things that had once them bound, overtake them once again. And they do the things they know they shouldn't do. It's because they're stuck there. And the devil has them there. And when the devil gets to your place, when you are in the groove in your mind, And in your life, you don't see a way out. You don't see a way out. But let me tell you today, there is a way out. There is a way that seemeth right for a man. And let me tell you, his name is Jesus. I said his name is Jesus. Don't let the devil trap trap you to the next new thing. Trap your emotions. Create fear and outrage to leave you there. To put you in a place where in bondage that you feel like you can't get out. But I'm here to tell you today there was an altar. The Bible says that that if I come to him and draw nigh to him, he will draw nigh unto me. I wonder if there was a prodigal here today that you find yourself in a place that you don't know how to get out of. You spend all the, you can't even find a way back home. But oh, there is a father that is waiting every single day with his arms open wide with a ring prepared for you and a robe to put around your shoulders and say won't you come home to me but we allow our flesh and the seat of our emotions to keep us where we are praying that somebody would respond today with the word of God when the God of all heaven and earth is calling for you says, let there not be two, but let them be one in me. Take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? He says, after all these things do Gentiles seek for your heavenly Father, knoweth that ye have need of these things. Ladies and gentlemen, you, you begin to say, when, when people are in that place in their life and they feel like they're trapped, the first things they do is sometimes, and I've talked to people and I know this, they say, well, Pastor, you don't understand what's going on in my life. The Lord knows exactly what you need. The Lord knows exactly what you need. He says, take no thought for those things. Take no thought for what you need and what you think you need because I know exactly what you need and I know what you need. And if you seek me first, and then I will give you what you need to be an overcomer and get you out of that groove state in your mind. That's why verse number 34 says, Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Why is he saying that? Because he wants you to get to rely on him and not rely on your emotional state in your mind and in your life. Let's stand together right now. Philippians 2.16, I don't want to run in vain today. 
I don't want to run in vain today. I want to run for the master. Galatians 5, 7 again, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? What hindered you? What's hindering you right now? To doing what is right. I'm here to tell you today, some of you, if you just took one step towards the master, and then you'll feel completely different. You'll say, God, yeah, I see you now. And when you make one step towards the master, guess what he does? He runs towards you. Because you see, it's a race. It may take just one step, but that race not only starts on our side, but the race comes from the master as he rushes unto us. There's a reason why the Holy Ghost is poor, like a rushing mighty wind. The Lord rushes to those who have a, sink, a, a repentant heart. He rushes to those who want to seek Him. He rushes to those that said, God, forgive me. I want to be yours here today. I wonder if we could raise our hands across this place and begin to call upon the name of Jesus right now. Come on, let's pray. Sometimes you got to pray your way out of that lizard brain. You got to pray, God, I don't know the words to say. I don't know what to do. I, 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 I'm tossed and turned on every side. My ship is about to be shipwrecked, and I'm fearful. I, I, I'm ashamed. I, I feel guilt. I, 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 I feel lonely. I feel all these things. He wants to keep me there, Lord, and I don't know how to get out. But, Lord, I need your help to get in this, get in the groove with you. I, I want to find a new place in you. I, I want to have a new mind. I want to have a new heart. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Come on, let's pray right now. Come on, let the Holy Ghost move through you and begin to talk to you as you talk.